we're back. This is Dump on the Ump, season five, week 13. Ladies and gentlemen, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Coming in from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel, and with me this evening, as per usual, are Sam and Eli. Fellas, how's it going? Hey, Joel, this is Sam. Uh, Glad to be here, as always. I'm broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, Yeah. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Eli. I'm coming at you from Boston, home to drivers to where everybody believes they have the right of way. (laughs) all right well ladies and gentlemen thanks for uh so much for tuning in tonight we're going to try to focus on one specific issue in sports talk about it amongst ourselves for at least 30 minutes and this evening we have selected uh major league baseball's cuba policies and their policies towards cuban baseball players The uh, reason for this is that last week, the Trump administration ended a deal, a pending deal that had been made between Major League Baseball and the Cuban Federation of Baseball that would allow Cuban baseball players to have a legitimate path to playing in the MLB. This deal had been years in the making and was starting under the Obama administration as a part of Barack Obama's larger policies of trying to open up the Cuban government to American business and investment. The other uh, motivation, I should say, for this agreement is to try to stop the business of what is essentially a form of human trafficking of talented Cuban baseball players out of the communist nation of Cuba and into the United States where they can get lucrative contracts with MLB teams. Uh, One player who is a dump on the ump all-star who has undergone this uh, ordeal is Yasiel Puig. And there was an article in LA Magazine in 2014 that documented Puig's Uh, harrowing, I guess is the word I would use to describe it, harrowing escape from Cuba to Mexico to playing for the L.A. Dodgers. The issue is that this business of smuggling baseball players out of Cuba is pretty much run by Mexican drug cartels. There are a lot of details to Puig's story, but one thing I wanted to talk of, or mention, at least, was after he got off of Cuba, he was in Mexico, and he was essentially held hostage in a hotel on an island off of the coast of Mexico for days. The island is called Isla Mujeres. I don't speak Spanish. And he was held there against his will and threatened with physical bodily harm until the men who had helped him get out of Cuba, were paid by his uh, patrons in the United States, Cuban nationals living in the United States. So we have all these issues coming together. We've got uh, the, the U.S. government and the Cuban government 
having clashes with each other. We have Major League Baseball trying to find a legitimate way for these players to get to the United States. And we have the Cuban Federation of Baseball trying to get paid, essentially. And in between, we have this insane industry of smuggling men out of Cuba into the United States. Uh, so that's that's an introduction. I don't know if you guys got any opinions about that, any impressions. There's a lot of breakdown there. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot going on. I just would like to say, say what you want about Mexican drug cartels. They really know how to diversify. True. And because, if, you know, you would think that drugs would be enough, but they just, they have their fingers in many different pies. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, and if there are any uh, members of Mexican drug cartels listening to this podcast, you guys are A-OK with me. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, well one of the things that I read about this Joel is that uh, people often try athletes try to defect who think that they have a shot at playing in the MLB try to defect to countries other than the United States first because then they can be signed as free agents as opposed to being um, drafted Yeah, and uh, by doing that, they can, you know, create much more lucrative deals for themselves rather than entering the draft and having to come in as a rookie for presumably much less money. Yes. Um, but it, that that I didn't know about the human trafficking part of that. And I wonder, you know, how much people are maybe lured to other countries by saying, you know, yeah, I'll help you figure this all out. But so is this pretty widespread? Like this is a lot of this, the players have gone through similar experiences to what Yasiel Puig did? Yes. Yasiel Puig is not the only player who's experienced this. Another player who has experienced this and, and talked about it. First of all, I think a lot of players don't want to talk about it because they still have connections with Mexican drug cartels. Puig actually talked about when he was in spring training with the Dodgers a dude came to his hotel, threatened to break his legs unless he got paid. Right. What? Well, and so, it's also the Cuban government is, like, you don't want to piss them off either. Right. Yes. Like, you don't want to piss off the Mexican drug cartels. That's a given. But also, the Cuban government is not super famously forgiving of criticism or shit-talking either. Right. Right. Another player who reported what happened was outfielder uh, Leonis Martin, uh, formerly of the Texas Rangers. He was smuggled out of Cuba in 2010. He was originally supposed to go straight to the U.S., but after missing his boat, he was sweet-talked by a Cuban smuggler or lanchero into going to Cancun, Mexico instead. When he got to Cancun, he was turned over to a couple of criminals who ran a shady baseball operation called Estrellas de Baseball, the Stars of Baseball, who passed their business off as a training academy, but which is essentially a front for smuggling players out of Cuba. That's from a 2014 article by Dara Lind on Vox.com. So 
So, like, this is a business. And, Eli, you mentioned it. One of the reasons why it's a business is because of Major League Baseball's bizarre rule. That means that if you get signed as a free agent, you can make millions more dollars than you could if you just enter the draft. Right. But in order to be to qualify for that, you have to establish residency in a third country, which is almost always Mexico, but sometimes it's the Dominican Republic. Right. And that, um, yeah, that just sort of opens the door for all sorts of nefarious opportunities. Well, I feel like Yasiel Puig's story is not, maybe not necessarily unique, but it's definitely the most extreme that I've ever heard of. Right. Because it's very intense in that there was this guy in Miami who contacted, like, supposedly on the behalf of Yasiel Puig, contacted the Mexican cartels and promised them $250,000 if they would smuggle Yasiel Puig out of Cuba into Mexico. Yes. And in return for that, Yasiel Puig had promised this guy 20% of all future earnings. Right. There's millions of dollars at stake here. Right. Uh, which is a ridiculous amount of money, and I was just reading a little bit about this guy, and he was like a this is the pe- kind of a petty criminal. Yeah, this is slash Raul Pacheco. Right, he was yeah. a he was a uh, air conditioning repairman, which, granted, in Florida, can make you some good, good money. money. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> everybody needs some AC down there. Yeah, can you imagine that? And so then. So this guy contacts thugs to kidnap, I mean, kidnap with ostensibly Puig's consent, but to kidnap Puig out of Cuba, put him on a a boat, and boat him all all the way to Mexico. Right. Yeah. Then they brought him to a hotel, called the guy, and the guy, like, refused to take their calls. Uh Uh-huh. And they kept upping the price. Right. And so Puig was stuck in this hotel for a long time, just like under basically captivity. And it wasn't just him. It was him and a couple other athletes. There was a boxer yeah. and somebody else, I think. Yeah. Uh, yes, a boxer. Well, and that's the other thing is that then the, the criminals who are keeping these guys captive in this hotel in Mexico start saying to the dude in Miami, if you don't give us our money, we're going to cut his fingers off. Right, with a machete. Yeah. Which is the important... Which is the important... <laughs> it's the important like an important part. detail, I feel like. <laughs> the machete. Part. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. got a question. Go for it. Okay. What, what is... What does baseball look like in Cuba? Because I read that after Fidel Castro came into power... He he's he ended professional baseball there, yeah. and that was the you know the the initial time that was the first time that it was forbade to go play internationally. So yeah. I just wonder, you know, we we've seen a lot of really talented baseball players come out of Cuba. 
what do, do you guys have any idea what it looks like there on the ground? I mean, is it like robust high school age teams, college age teams? What you know? They what have is, a professional league. They do yeah, but I, yeah the, but the Cuban Baseball Federation. Yeah. Okay. And they I mean, they play in the World Baseball Classic. Like they hang. They don't like necessarily. They haven't made it to the championships, but they've they've come to the semifinals. I think. Mm-hmm. So they, they like hang on the international, uh, <clears throat> and you know, you could say that that's a lower level of play than the major leagues, but that's still to make it out of the first round of that means that you're, you know, better than Chinese Taipei, I guess. I don't know. Right. Or like the Netherlands. Right. Yeah. They did pretty well. Yeah. They're, they're good. But as uh, Chinese Taipei, didn't they? <laughs> no, yeah. Cuba is good. They're no, what? No Puerto Rico? No Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic. Yeah, but they have a they have a professional league, and I think it's like kind of they play at the same time as winter ball. I think that they have a travel team. They go to you know probably Venezuela and uh, I don't know. Well, it says here that Puig made seventeen dollars a month playing for the Cuban baseball festival. <clears throat> wow. Right. Yeah, and he played for the team Cien Fuegos. Which is actually the same team that Jose Abreu played for. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, so they've got a a good team. They've got a good system. Uh, obviously, their facilities are crap. You know, looking at pictures of their stadiums, it's like you're playing baseball in Bozeman, Montana, or something like that. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to find there are these great things though because after the revolution in the 1960s, Fidel Castro nationalized everything, right? And Cuba, uh, Cuban baseball became the national sport, and this was part of the the communist uprising to make you know strength through baseball. And this article in LA Magazine. Talks about all these. Here they are. You go to stadiums in Cuba, and they've got uh, quotes by Fidel Castro everywhere. So one says, "Sports has to do with the life of the country, with the future of the country, with the survival of the country." Uh, <laughs> it's very like uh, makes me think of Animal Farm a little bit. Here sure. they are. This is the triumph of free baseball over slave baseball. Uh, oh, I'm Which gonna, is kind of ahead. ironic because right. they're getting paid $17 a month. And then in the major leagues, you know, the capitalist oppressors, they're making $17 million a month. Right. <laughs> yeah. So the, okay. largest, the largest contract given out to any Cuban defector... Uh, was given to outfielder Rusny Castillo by the Boston Red Sox. Ah. He's he's still in the minor leagues, by yeah. the way. Yeah, <laughs> he's still in the minor leagues. He's been a real disappointment. He was, oh man, it was so exciting when he first came up because he's he's built like a Greek god. I swear to God, right. the guy's got right. shoulders and like arms that look like he should be able to hit the ball. Forever, and he can, but he can't hit a curveball to save his life. Oh, you gotta, uh, you gotta hit curveball. Yeah, you gotta you gotta hit a curveball to be successful in the major leagues. 
Uh, but it's been fun because he's been playing in Pawtucket for the last few years since he's come up and um, lives in Boston, plays in the minor leagues. And he's fun to watch. I mean, he's you know a real athletic guy. <laughs> huge disappointment. It was huge. disappointment. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna read these two sentences from the LA Magazine article. Until the 1959 revolution, Cuba was practically an extension of MLB's farm leagues. It's easy to forget that a young Tommy Lasorda pitched four seasons in Havana. After declaring Cuba a socialist state, though, Castro abolished professional ball and instead launched the National Series, a 16-team amateur league. So, like, I mean, I'm kind of trying to get us back to the actual government policy that's preventing us from having a safe and legal way of getting Cubans to Major League Baseball. Because I think it's in the best interest of everyone. Right. I think the government's being a, a buttheads about this. And the issue is that they don't want any money going to the Cuban government. Because the deal that Major League Baseball signed with the Cuban Federation of Baseball is very similar in its structure to the deals that we have with, for example, Japan, where if you hire a guy from the league, you're the, you know, the Angels have to pay Shohei Otani's Japanese team. Right? Right. Yeah. So, so Cuba wants a deal like that, where if the L.A. Dodgers want, or the Boston Red Sox want the next hot Cuban prospect, they've got to pay his team in Cuba. Right. And also, like, but the other side of that, like, the thing that, that's, <clears throat> like, the good thing about that is it takes money out of the black market in the human trafficking sense, but also in that, you know, if players want to send money back to Cuba to their families there, they, they can do that without like going through those same illegal channels. Right. Yes. Which is very important. Right. I think the Trump administration's problem is that because the, because Cuba is a communist country, the, the baseball federation is state owned. So Trump the Trump White House's argument is any money that you send, even if it's going to a team in the Cuban Federation of Baseball, is going to support the communist state in Cuba. Right. Uh, that's their argument. I think the logic is flawed, but that's why they're saying no, we're not gonna let this happen. Well, and also there's like limits on how much money you can send to Cuba at once uh, and if you're paying like 20 million dollars to for a player that's more than the whatever five thousand dollars cap that it is right now or whatever right it could send uh, a considerable amount but i read this article on forbes.com by this guy professor andrew zimbalist oh he's a he's a stadium I've interviewed that guy before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smith College. And he says he thinks what Trump is doing is super stupid. Uh, he says that 
Oh, yeah. So Cuba had actually tagged about 50 of its players to be eligible to be signed by MLB teams. So they were ready to go ahead with this. They had these guys, and they were going to be allowed. And Zimbalist says that um, based on an average, if, if MLB signs 33 of those 50 guys, based on an average bonus of $200,000 per player, the payment to the Cuban Federation of Baseball would have been about $1.5 million, which is not, in the grand scheme of things, that much money. Uh, he goes on to say, in contrast, U.S. airline financial and telecommunications companies have legally made payments to the Cuban government in excess of $100 million in recent years. So his argument is, we're already doing business with Cuba. It's stupid to prevent this one industry from doing business with Cuba. Right. Well, does Trump hate the baseball for some reason? What's the no, deal? Trump hates Hispanic people. Oh, that's it. Yep. And yeah, communism. Also, you know, also, it's probably a perception thing, right? Like, you have yeah. Cubans coming into the United States and doing great things and make, regardless of their backstory, it gives their country a good, a more positive light or whatever. You know, it's it's, it's all about how it looks. Well, and the other official thing coming out of the White House is that the Cuban government continues to support President Maduro of Venezuela, who's the socialist president of Venezuela, who uh, probably lost an election and is refusing to step down. And so uh, the White House's official line is because Cuba continues to support Maduro, and because Maduro is refusing to step down after an election, we are not gonna. We are cutting off all financial aid to Cuba. Hmm. Yeah, no more baseball players. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, but then, well, whatever. Yeah. Who's getting I mean, we, there? There's a ton of Venezuelan baseball players in the major leagues too, and. No, I think, yeah, let's talk about that for a second because that's been kind of this unspoken of thing because they've all got the um, Venezuelan band, like uh, flags on their armbands, right? Do they? Yeah, there's been a kind of a quiet... right? And Jose Altuve? Is Venezuelan? Uh, Altuve? I don't know. (laughs) Look up list of Venezuelan players. There's a bunch of them. That's been an ongoing thing with the ongoing crisis in Venezuela. Yeah. Say that again, please. Jose Altuve is Venezuelan. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah. Yeah, Jose Altuve, Felix Hernandez, Miguel Cabrera, other guys, Victor Martinez, Asdrubal Cabrera. Elvis Andrews. Elvis Andrews is the guy who walks up to Baby Shark. Marlon right. Gonzalez. Elvis Ayo Garcia. There's a lot of good players of there. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a sad story. I wish that we had better answers. I think that 
base major league baseball has an interest because they don't want the negative PR of, you know, future all-star Yasiel Puig locked in a hotel. Uh, and Cuba wants our money. Right. They, like the bad press of, you know, in jailing their own players because they're trying to get to the United States. Right. I think also, though, that Major League Baseball is probably also just fine with the system as it is. Like, I don't think that Major League Baseball or Major League Baseball teams care that much, honestly. I think you're right, which is kind of fucked up. It's really, I mean, it's like a PR thing, but like the Major League Baseball doesn't even really care that much about PR, I feel like. They're kind of a nasty organization, you know? Yeah. No, you guys disagree? There was kind of a long silence after that statement. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no, I think that they're the, the best at what they do, and I'd love to have a job if you guys have any openings. Right, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, 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 no. no, no. I'm talking, I'm to, I'm work, talking but... to the Mexican, I'm to the Mexican drug cartels. Right. You're talking to MLB. Sam, you need to get a job with WWE. Right. I just feel like there's not a there's not a whole huge gap between Mexican drug cartels and Major League Baseball. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, it's just like you know the Major League Baseball teams. They're like on the playoff push, and they're like, "I'll hire, I'll roll this Chapman. I don't care if he beats up his wife. Yeah, you know what right. I mean? It's like, and you know they'll eat that PR kind of like blip because they don't really care. Right. Yeah, but they'll pay him versus keeping him you know, in a hotel bedroom against his will and say that he has to give them 20% of all his future earnings. So I think there's a gap there, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. But they, like, won't, he won't have to take a pay cut. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah. We're, get, we're getting into something else here, I think. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, you okay. got Sorry. We got a whole nother B-block about <laughs> domestic violence in Major League Baseball and why Rob Roberto Ozuna still has a job. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I love baseball so Why did the B-block get so, so sad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, B-block is the sad block. <laughs> B-block is the sad block. This is the block that people skip. It's the hump day skip block. <laughs> Do you guys want to hear some um, a, um, Cubans all-star players over the years? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jose... Abreu, yeah, Cuban. Yasiel Puig, hell yeah, yeah. Jose He's an Fernandez in many different ways. Sorry, yeah. Go on. Oh yeah, I I meant Fight to mention all the pitch blue pilots. I meant to mention earlier that I, I didn't understand why that Vanity Fair piece didn't include his ultimate pursuit, which was to end up in Cincinnati to eat chili, which he's now finally been able to uh, succeed. Right. Well, he, I he achieved think, the American dream. Is right. what you're saying. I, so he finally I know got that, there. Nope. I think he's really happy right now in Cincinnati. I think Who he wouldn't be. <laughs> well, I think there's something about he was not happy in LA. I don't think he, I mean, even though they were good. And he owns some crazy he has the most uh postseason plate appearances of anyone in Dodger history. Which I was like, really? Wow. I think that's mostly because the playoffs have been expanded. And, and they went to the playoffs pretty much every year he was 
his name. But still. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Yasiel Puig. Most played appearance. Yeah. That's still a good good record to have. I'm sorry. Keep listening, Cuban play. Okay. You want to assess for this? I'm yep. a big yeah. fan of that guy. Me too. Yep. Specifically his arm. Cannon arm. Cannon arm. Um, all rolled this. Chapman, not a big fan of that guy. Right. Yeah. He's a Yankee and a Cub and a domestic abuser. Those are like my three least favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's on the um, dump on the um, wall of shame. We need yeah. to get back to one. Yeah. It's more of the pit of shame. Yeah. He doesn't get to go on the wall. He goes in the darkness. <laughs> um, Alexi Ramirez. Oh, yeah. He was a White Sox. I love that guy when he played for the White yeah. Sox. Jose Contreras. Cool. Uh, Danaeus Baez. This is back in 1999. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that. Orlando Arrojo. Oh, okay, now you're losing me. Yeah. That's a good name. I recognize the name, but I have no idea who that guy is. And then Levon Hernandez. These are back in the 90s. But that that's... The and name. Jose Canseco. Right. Levon Hernandez and his brother. Uh, or, no. Never mind. Do you have a brother? No. Mm. El Duque. He's half-brothers with... Yeah, El Duque. El Duque. He's half-brothers with Orlando El Duque Hernandez. Yeah. Yeah. Jose Canseco was born in Havana, but went to the U.S. when he was one year old. I'm just looking at his Wikipedia page right now. I didn't know he played for the Red Sox. Jose Canseco played for almost everybody. Yeah, Yeah, he did. He really did. Um, All AL, though. He never played in the NL. Yeah, good man. Yeah. It's a man who's like knows quality and sticks to it. Yeah. Sully his name and reputation. Right. Uh, we should try to get him on our podcast. Talk about right. aliens and Bigfoot. You know what's kind of interesting also about a couple of these stories of Cuban players, because you brought up, uh, what's his name, the cannon arm? Yes, Cespedes. Cespedes, who has a car collection to like rival Jay Leno. I remember reading about that one time. Um. And <clears throat> He, like, bought it all immediately as soon as he got his contract, his big, like, he first got paid. And, you know, and then, and Yasiel Puig promising 20% of future earnings to this, like, shade ball in Miami. And these guys who are coming out of this communist state where they have, like, kind of no concept of what money actually is at right. this level of yeah. millions of dollars. It's, like, an, not even a conceivable thing you know right it's even beyond like someone coming out of college like ncaa right yeah yeah no i think you're absolutely right and it's just it's it's infuriating because this is an example of how this tangle of rules and policies by all these different organizations for example mlb's what Distinction between draft and and free agent, right? That makes them go to Mexico. And the U.S. government, like, bizarro embargo of Cuba for 60 years now, that doesn't fucking work. And the fact that we have similar agreements with Japan and South Korea, but we can't have one with Cuba. That leads to Yasiel Puig locked in a hotel for weeks. Right. 
maybe going to have his thumb chopped off. with Right. Machete. Probably yeah. with really good cocaine, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on, on the flip side, good cocaine in that hotel. That's, a, well, that's it. Lady, you can yeah. go out on that. Crazy host. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, check out this LA Here comes the C block. <laughs> check out this LA magazine article. It's really fucked up. It, it says here he was a party animal in Cuba. Uh, what is this? He was such That's a screw out. He was all beers and girls, beer and girls, beer and girls, always a party. He got suspended for partying when he played for the Cuban League. <laughs> Yeah, yes, yo, Puig. Wild horse, man. That guy's awesome. Call him Wild Chili now. Yeah, fuck yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, any last words you guys before we sign off? Yeah, I'll go uh, out on Wild Chili. Yeah, Wild Chili. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for listening to us. This has been the B Block where we tried to go deep into one topic of our choice. Thanks so much for sticking with us. Check us out on Apple, iTunes. Give us a rating and review. Check us out on SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com slash Umpinhemp. Umpinhemp, everyone. Uh, tweet at us. I'm still fighting people about Tiger Woods on Twitter. If you want to fight me, let's do it. Um, I will eat all the Cincinnati chili. It will give me the strength of Yasiel Puig. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Um, have a good evening and a pleasant